Volume 3, Chapter 10 of Vixen. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Candace Delic, Dallas, Texas. Vixen by Mary Elizabeth Braddon. Volume 3, Chapter 10. All the rivers run into the sea. For some days Violet's return seemed to have a happy effect upon the invalid never had daughter been more devoted more loving fuller of sweet cares and consolations for a dying mother than this daughter seeing the mother and child together in this supreme hour no onlooker could have divined that these two had been ever less fondly united than mother and child should be the feeble and fading woman seemed to lean on the strong bright girl to gain a reflected strength from her fullness of life and vigor it was as if vixen with her shining hair and fair young face brought healthful breezes into the sickly perfumed atmosphere of the invalid's rooms roderick vaudrey had a hard time of it during these days of sadness and suspense he could not deny the right of his betrothed to devote all her time and thought to a dying mother and yet having but newly won her for his very own after dreary years of constraint and severance he longed for her society as lover never longed before or at least he thought so he hung about the abbey house all day heedless of the gloomy looks he got from captain winstanley and of the heavy air of sadness that pervaded the house and was infinitely content and happy when he was admitted to mrs winstanley's boudoir to take an afternoon cup of tea and talk for a half an hour or so in subdued tones with mother and daughter i am very glad that things have happened as they have roderick mrs winstanley said languidly though i'm afraid it would make your poor mamma very unhappy if she could know about it she had so set her heart on your marrying lady mabel forgetting that it was really my heart which was concerned in the business said rorie dear mabel was wise enough to show us all the easiest way out of our difficulties i sent her my mother's emerald cross and earrings the day before yesterday with a pretty a letter as i could write i think it was almost poetical and those emeralds of lady jane vaudrey's are very fine remarked mrs winstanley i don't think there is a feather in one of the stones it was almost like giving away your property wasn't it vixen said rory looking admiringly at his beloved but i have a lot of my mother's jewels for you and i wanted to send mabel something to show her that i was not ungrateful you acted very properly rory and as to jewelry you know very well i don't care a straw for it it is a comfort to me to know you will have lady jane's pearl necklace murmured mrs winstanley it will go so well with my diamond locket ah rory i wish i had been strong enough to see to violet's trousseau it is dreadful to think that it may have to be made by a provincial dressmaker and with no one to supervise and direct dearest mother you are going to supervise everything exclaimed vixen i shall not think of being married till you are well and strong again that will be never sighed the invalid upon this point she was very firm they all tried husband daughter and friends to delude her with false hopes thinking thus to fan the flame of life and keep the brief candle burning a little longer she was not deceived she felt herself gradually painlessly sinking she complained but little much less than in the days when her ailments had been in some part fanciful but she knew very surely that her day was done it is very sweet to have you with me violet she said your goodness and conrad's loving attentions make me very happy i feel almost as if i should like to live a few years longer only almost mother darling exclaimed violet reproachfully i don't know dear i have such a weary feeling 
as if life at the very best were not worth the trouble it cost us i shouldn't mind going on living if i could always lie here and take no trouble about anything and be nursed and waited upon and have you or conrad always by my side but to get well again and have to get up and go about among other people and take up all the cares of life no dear i am much too weary for that and then if i could get well to-morrow old age and death would still be staring me in the face i could not escape them no love it is much better to die now before i am very old or quite hideous even before my hair is gray she took up one of the soft auburn tresses from her pillow and looked at it half sadly your dear papa used to admire my hair violet she said there are a few gray hairs but you would hardly notice them but my hair is much thinner than it used to be and i don't think i could ever have made up my mind to wear false hair it never quite matches one's own i have seen lady ellen gowan wearing three distinct heads of hair and yet gentlemen admire her mrs winstanley was always at her best during those afternoon tea drinkings the strong tea revived her roderick's friendly face and voice cheered her they took her back to the remote past to the kind squire's day of glory which he remembered as the happiest time of her life even now when her second husband was doing all things possible to prove his sincerity and devotion she had never been completely happy in this second marriage there had always been a flavor of remorse mingled with her cup of joy the vague consciousness that she had done a foolish thing and that the world her little world within a radius of twenty miles was secretly laughing at her do you remember the day we came home from our honeymoon conrad she said to her husband as he sat by her in the dusk one evening sad and silent when there was no carriage to meet us and we had to come home in a fly it was an omen was it not an omen of what dearest that all things were not to go well with us in our married life that we were not to be quite happy have you not been happy pamela i have tried honestly to do my duty to you i know you have conrad you have been all goodness i always have said so to violet and to everyone but i have had my cares i felt that i was too old for you that has preyed upon my mind was that reasonable pamela when i have never felt it perhaps not at first and even if you had felt the disparity in our ages you would have been too generous to let me perceive the change in your feelings but i should have grown an old woman while you were still a young man it would have been too dreadful indeed dear it is better as it is providence is very good to me providence is not very good to me in taking you from me said the captain with a touch of bitterness it seemed to him passing selfish in his wife to be so resigned to leaving life and so oblivious of the fact that her income died with her and that he was to be left out in the cold one evening however when they were sitting alone together this fact presented itself suddenly to her mind you will lose the abbey house when i am gone conrad my love do you think i could live in this house without you in my income conrad that dies with me does it not yes love that is hard for you i can bear that pamela if i am to bear the loss of you dearest love you have always been disinterested how could i ever doubt you perhaps indeed i am sure if i were to ask violet she would give you the fifteen hundred a year that i was to have after she came of age pamela i could not accept any favor from your daughter you would deeply offend me if you were to suggest such a thing this was true much as he valued money he would have rather starved than taken sixpence from the girl who had scorned him the girl whose very presence gave rise to a terrible conflict in his breast 
passionate love bitterest antagonism there are the few things that i possess myself jewels books furniture special gifts of dear edwards those are my own to dispose of as i like i might make a will leaving them to you conrad they are trifles but they will be precious souvenirs of our wedded life murmured the captain who was very much of mr wemmick's opinion that portable property of any kind was worth having a will was drawn up and executed next day in which mrs winstanley left her diamonds to her daughter her wardrobe to the faithful and long-suffering pauline otherwise mary smith and all the rest of her belongings to her dearly beloved husband conrad winstanley the captain was a sufficient man of business to take care that this will was properly executed in all this time his daily intercourse with violet was a source of exceeding bitterness she was civil and even friendly in her manner to him for her mother's sake and then in the completeness of her union with rory she could afford to be generous and forgiving the old spirit of antagonism died out her foe was so utterly fallen a few weeks and the old home would be her own the old servants would come back the old pensioners might gather again around the kitchen door all could be once more as it had been in her father's lifetime and no trace of conrad winstanley's existence would be left for alas it was now an acknowledged fact that violet's mother was dying the most sanguine among her friends had ceased to hope she herself was utterly resigned she spent some part of each day in gentle religious exercises with kindly mr scobel her last hours were as calm and reasonable as those of socrates so captain winstanley had to sit quietly by and see violet and her lover grouped by his fading wife's sofa and school himself as best he might to endure the spectacle of their perfect happiness in each other's love and to know that he who had planned his future days so wisely and provided like the industrious aunt for the winter of his life had broken down in his scheme of existence after all and had no more part in this house which he had deemed his own than a traveller at an inn it was hard as he sat beside his dying wife with anger and envy gnawing his heart anger against fate envy of roderick vaudrey who had won the prize if evil wishes could have killed neither violet nor her lover would have outlived that summer happily the captain was too cautious a man to be guilty of any overt act of rage or hatred his rancorous feelings were decently hidden under a gentlemanly iciness of manner to which no one could take objection the fatal hour came unawares one calm september afternoon about six weeks after violet's return from jersey captain winstanley had been reading one of tennyson's idyls to his wife till she sank into a gentle slumber he left her with pauline seated at work by one of the windows and went to his study to write some letters five o'clock was the established hour for kettledrum but of late the invalid had been unable to bear even the mild excitement of two or three visitors at this time violet now attended alone to her mother's afternoon tea kneeling by her side as she sipped the refreshing infusion and coaxing her to eat a wafer-like slice of bread and butter or a few morsels of sponge cake this afternoon when violet went softly into the room carrying the little japanese tray and tiny teapot she found her mother lying just as the captain had left her an hour before she's been sleeping so sweetly miss whispered pauline i never knew her sleep so quiet since she's been ill that stillness which seemed so good a thing to the handmaid frightened the daughter violet set her tray down hastily on the nearest table and ran to her mother's sofa she looked at the pale and sunken cheek just visible in the downy hollow of the pillows she touched the hand lying on the silken coverlet that marble coldness that waxen hue of the cheek told her the awful truth 
she fell on her knees beside the sofa with a cry of sharp and sudden sorrow oh mother mother i ought to have loved you better all my life end of volume three chapter ten recording by candace dalek dallas texas